Welcome, everybody. I appreciate you joining us today, whether you're doing that in person at one of our campuses or just connecting with us online. Either way, I am super excited that you're here because I am convinced that God is going to do a new thing, a new thing not only in your life, but in the life of our church. And I'm so excited that you're going to get to be a part of it. You know, if, if we're honest, I think most of us would have to admit that we spent the last parts of 2020 just waiting for 2021 to actually get here, right? Because we kind of convinced ourselves that somehow when we turned the page on the calendar, that all of the craziness and chaos that we'd been through in 2020 would be slowly but surely in our rear view mirror by now, right? That we'd have a fresh start, that we'd be past some of this junk. And yet here we are, three weeks into 2021, and not only is that stuff not gone, it's actually gotten worse, right? I mean, the COVID virus numbers are higher right now than they ever were at any point during 2020. And these deep political divisions that we thought would kind of fade away after the election have just gotten deeper Right? I mean, we've gone from just angry words on Facebook to now violent physical confrontations in our streets. And so uh, these things are still very much with us. And so for a lot of us, we're discouraged. This idea of a fresh start, a fresh start in a new year seems somewhat like a pipe dream. But I do have some good news for you. And the good news for you is this. You don't need a clean slate for a fresh start with God because God can do a fresh start in your life no matter what's going on around you, right? I promise you, God is not up in heaven wringing his hands, hoping and praying that this, all this junk of 2020 goes away so that he can get back to work. God has been moving and working the whole time. In fact, I am convinced that God does some of his greatest work in the most difficult and dark circumstances of our lives. And so while we don't need a clean slate for a fresh start, what I think maybe we do need is a reboot, a reboot of our operating system. And, and the cool thing about a reboot, it's just like with your phone or your computer or your device, a reboot gives you an opportunity to kind of start over, to get rid of the things that have been slowing you down, but at the same time, you don't have to start from scratch. With a reboot, you get to take all of the good things with you and start to leave some of the tough stuff behind. And that's what I believe God wants to do in our lives and in the life of our church, a spiritual reboot for every one of us. And so that's why next week we're going to start a church-wide series and study called Reboot. And really the goal is to help all of us do a, a spiritual reboot in our lives, to start letting go of the junk that's been getting in our way and slowing us down 
And yet at the same time, bring along with us some of the valuable lessons we've learned over this past year. Because we've all learned some good things even in these hard times. And so what we're going to do in this reboot series is, one, we're going to have six Sunday morning messages. We're going to look at six aspects of our lives and how we can allow God to spiritually reboot us. In addition to the Sunday messages, we're also going to be doing a small group reboot study in all of our adult home groups. And so what we're going to do is take the stuff that we talk about on Sundays and then get together in small groups and really drill down and begin to personalize it and apply it to the details of our lives. And if that weren't enough, not only are we going to have Sunday messages, small group studies, we're also going to have a daily reading plan through the first part of this Reboot series. We're going to use the Bible app, and there's a great Reboot reading plan in there. And starting next Sunday, we're going to be reading together, all together as one church every day a little bit through the Gospel of John. This amazing story of Jesus' life and ministry. And we're going to be reading together, not just to learn more about Jesus, but to start to become more like Jesus, to develop his character, his attitude in our lives. Because that's what spiritual growth is all about, becoming more like Jesus. And so all of this kicks off next Sunday, the 24th. So what about today? What I want to do today is spend some time talking about getting ready for God to move. What we need to do to set the table for a visit from God. Things we need to be doing this week to prepare ourselves for God to move and work in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. And to help us do that, we're going to look at an amazing encounter that God has with a group of people in the Old Testament book of Exodus chapter 19. So if you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn there. Many of you already know that the book of Exodus is the story of Moses leading the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt into the wilderness and to the promised land. But even if you've never read the book, you've seen the movie, right? The old people here, you remember the Ten Commandments with Charleston, Charlton Heston playing the part of Moses. If you're a little bit younger, you're probably thinking uh, the Prince of Egypt from Disney. But you know the basic storyline, right? God tells Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, no way, Jose, we need these people. They're our slaves. They get all of our work done. Our society would crumble without them. Of course, then God responds by sending the 10 plagues. Pharaoh relents, lets the 2 million Hebrew slaves go free out into the desert to head to the promised land. A few days later, Pharaoh changes his mind, sends his army to get the slaves back. And you remember the story. God turns the Red Sea into a highway. The children of Israel walk safely on dry land. When the army of Egypt tries to follow them, God removes his hands and the waters collapse, destroying all of Pharaoh's army. And by the time we get to chapter 19 of Exodus, these two million Hebrew slaves are about three months into their wilderness crossing. And chapter 19 finds them camped out at the base of Mount Sinai, a very special mountain where God first spoke to Moses. 
And the people are getting ready to meet God for the very first time. You need to remember that these Hebrew slaves, they knew nothing about this God that rescued them. Yeah, they had seen his power to destroy Egypt, but they didn't know what he was like. They didn't know what he wanted from them. So God is getting ready to come down the mountain and meet the nation of Israel. And so God gives Moses some instructions for the people to get ready. Things they need to do to get ready for God to move. And as we walk through these, just these couple of verses, it's amazing to me how clearly it shows us very practical ways that we can get ready to truly encounter God, to spiritually reboot our lives, to be prepared for a visit from God. Four things. Let's just look at these quickly. Number one, the first thing I need to do to get ready for a spiritual reboot is I need to look back and remember God's faithfulness. Look back and remember God's faithfulness. If you want God to move and work in your future, you have to recognize the ways that God has already moved and worked in your past. That's why when Moses goes up the mountain, the first thing God tells him to tell the people to do is look back and see his faithfulness. Notice verses three and four. God says to Moses, tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You see what God does? He just takes them back 90 days and said, do you see what I did? The power I had, but also the tenderness with which I took care of you. Why does God want them to look back and see all that he's done? Is it because he's on an ego trip? He's bragging? No. He is introducing himself to them. And so he says, look at my power. Look at what I can do. But also, look at my love. The heart of who I am. Not just my strength but my faithfulness. In fact, God uses an interesting word picture to describe what he has done for this group of slaves. He said, I have taken you on wings like an eagle. Now, when we think of eagles, we automatically think of the bald eagle, right? The symbol of American strength and freedom. But you need to understand, there are no bald eagles in the Middle East. There are a couple of species of eagles in the Middle East, and yes, they are known for their strength, but these species are much more known for the way in which they care for their young. These particular eagles are meticulous about hunting, catching, and bringing food and delivering it right into the nest for their babies, which is exactly what God will do for the Israelites when he will cover the desert with manna and quail and feed them. These eagles are also known for spreading their wings and covering their young to protect them from the weather or from threats, which is exactly what God will do for the nation of Israel when he will shelter them with a cloud by day and lead them with a pillar of fire by night. And in fact, some of these eagles in the Middle East have been known to teach their young to fly by literally placing them on their back, soaring up high, and then swooping out from under them, allow these young eagles to fall and flap and try to fly, but before they hit the ground, swooping under and catching them and taking them back up to do the same 
thing again until they learn to fly. God says, that is who I am. That is the faithfulness I have for you. And isn't that what God has done for us over these last 11 months? I mean, I'm not minimizing how difficult this past year has been. I'm not trying to minimize any loss that you've experienced or or difficulties or darkness you've been through, but I am wanting all of us to recognize there's some amazing things God has done these past 11 months. The problem is our tendency when we look back is we always see the bad first. We always see the failures, either our own failures or we see the perceived failures of what God didn't do for us. And while certainly it's important to learn from the mistakes of our past, it's even more important when we look back, we focus on God's faithfulness. Why? Because remembering God's faithfulness in the past opens the door to trusting God more to be faithful in our future. You know, the Old Testament book of Lamentations is the prophecy, the words of a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, who interestingly is called the weeping prophet. He's called that not because he's like a teenage girl full of emotions and cries all the time. He's called that because he prophesies in a time of great darkness for the nation of Israel. Great difficulties. The nation has wandered and drifted off from God and the the repercussions of that are being felt. And so, so much of his prophecy is doom and gloom and sadness. That's what the lamentation means. It's a lament from this prophet. And in fact, it's interesting, if you read chapter three, Jeremiah for 20 verses laments all the bad stuff. He's just going through a list of all the bad stuff. In fact, reading the first 20 verses of chapter three is like watching cable news today, right? It's just one bad thing after another. But in verse 21, Jeremiah turns a corner and look at what he says. Yet, in spite of all this, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Why? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The more we see God's faithfulness in the past, the more open we become to God moving and working in our future. So here's what I wanna ask you. What's one way God has been faithful in your life this past year? Just one way, maybe with your finances, your health, job, a relationship, whatever it is, I want you to just jot it down. Write it down in the margin of your program or if you're using the online notes, just type it in there. One way, write it down. You're not writing. I can see you people, and I can see those of you online at the other campuses too. Write it down as a declaration of saying, I look back, and yes, things were bad, but God has been faithful. Let's set an anchor for this reboot. Let's set an anchor point to say we will begin by focusing on God's faithfulness in the past. That's where it starts, but it doesn't end there. There's a second thing we have to do to get ready for a spiritual reboot, and that's to look ahead. To look ahead and celebrate your future. Look ahead and celebrate your future. 
In fact, that is the second thing God tells Moses that the people of Israel need to do to get ready for a visit from him. It's to look forward to a bright future. And listen to the future that he paints for this group of former slaves, verses four and five. He says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Remember who God's talking to, right? A vagabond group of former slaves who just 90 days before had every detail of their life controlled by the Egyptians. And yes, now they have their freedom, but what else do they have? They have no military might. They have no political influence. They, they have no power. And yet God says your future is you're gonna be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Man, look at the two things that God says about their future. Guess what? He's still say, saying them today about your future as a Christ follower. One, he says, you're my treasured possession. Did you know that? You are God's treasured possession. I know most of us are going, Philip, you don't know me. Are you looking around? You see, there's some shiny, pretty people here who got their life together, but I'm not one of them. But I'm telling you, God says to you, as a follower of Jesus, you are his treasured possession. There's no length he won't go to, to reach you, to connect with you, to help you grow and to help you live out his purposes for your life. Your value is not based on where you've been, what you've done. Your value is not rooted in what you've, slavery you've been trapped in or bondage you've had in your life. Your value is not on who you are, but who your God is. And he is treasuring you. Second thing God says is you're gonna be a kingdom of priests. Now hold on a minute. Some of you are saying, Philip, I was with you with the treasured possession, but this kingdom of priests, you've crossed the line. You've gone too far. No way am I any way, shape, or form a priest. That's because we think a priest means special people who are called by God, sent off to seminary, trained, and then get to wear those cool backwards collars and do all kind of God stuff all the time. But if you look at what the Bible says a priest is, it really just means two things. Being a priest means two things. One, it means you have direct access to God. Priests have direct access to God. And as a priest, you don't need to go through another person. You don't need to pray through another person. The Bible says as followers of Christ, we can come boldly before the throne of God. The Bible also said there's only one mediator between God and man. And that is the man, Jesus Christ. So God says, you have direct access to me. The second thing a priest does is represent God to other people. 
And as followers of Jesus, isn't that what we're all called to do? Not just vocational pastors or staff members. We are all called to represent God to the people around us. We are to represent Jesus. And unfortunately, Christians, we're not necessarily doing a great job of that. Every time I get on Facebook and rant and rave and am angry and dismissive and judgmental about other people, I am showing non-believers that that's what God is like. And that is a lie. But when I'm full of compassion and love and grace and patience, then people can know what God is really like. These promises are not just for these two million former slaves in the desert. These promises are true for every one of us who follow Jesus. You say, how do you know that, Philip? Well, look at what the Bible says. In the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. These words, by the way, are written to average Christians. Not just the disciples, not just the leaders of the church, but to average Christians. Notice what it says. You are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Do you see the connection in the future that God predicted for the nation of Israel and the one he predicts for us as Christ followers? But just like them, those blessings, that promised future, is contingent on our obedience, on our commitment to him, to follow him, to obey the commands, the ways that he says we are to live our lives. I don't know what 2021 holds for any of us. Shoot, it might be worse than 2020. We don't know, but I do know this. The more committed you are to God's purposes, the more obedient you are to his unchanging word, the more opportunities you will have to see God move and work in dramatic ways in your life. And that leads to number three. The third thing we need to do to get ready for a spiritual reboot is look around. Look around and commit with the community. Interestingly, when God finishes telling Moses all that he's going to do for the children of Israel and all that he expects from them, Moses goes back down, gives the word to the people, tells them what God has said, and notice their response to God, verse 8. It said, the people all responded, how? You can say it out loud. The people all responded, how? together and they said, we will do everything the Lord has said. And so Moses brought back their answer to God. See that? They answered not as individuals, but as one, as a community. And while these next six weeks are a great opportunity for God to do a spiritual reboot in your individual life, I promise you this works best if we do it together as a community of faith, because we are not just a collection of individuals who happen to attend the same church. We are a family. We are a community. We belong to each other, and we will rise or sink in our togetherness and our commitment for God to move. 
That is why being a part of a home group, it's always essential for your spiritual growth, but it is especially essential over these next six weeks. Not just to go through the study, but to connect together with other believers where we can support each other, encourage one another, hold each other accountable. And so if you are not yet in a home group, today is the day. Don't keep waiting. Or maybe you were, but you've gotten disconnected. COVID has caused you to drift or isolate, whatever it is. Today is the day. If you're in person at one of our campuses, we have connection centers, somebody you can talk to, we'll get you in a group this week. If you're watching online, there's a link being posted in the chat right now, click on it. We'll get you connected with a group. And listen, even if you're not yet ready for in-person home group gatherings, we will find a group that will Zoom you in or FaceTime you in. We want everybody to have a chance to commit together with the community. And then finally, number four, the fourth thing we have to do to get ready for a spiritual reboot is look inward. Look inward and prepare yourself spiritually. But what does that mean? That's such a churchy thing, right? Prepare yourself spiritually. What does it mean to do that? Look at what God tells the people of Israel to do, verses 10 and 11. said, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and have them spend today and tomorrow preparing themselves. They must wash their clothes and be ready by the day after tomorrow. Because on that day, I, the Lord, will come down on Mount Sinai and all the people will see me. What does that mean? Do we all need to go home today and do a load of laundry and take a good hot bath? No. But it does mean there are specific things each of us need to do to get our hearts and our minds ready. We need to prepare ourselves. Three things I wanna suggest, write these down. Number one, set aside some time. Set aside some time. Because being a part of this reboot journey is going to take time. Not just the Sunday morning messages, it's gonna take time each week to connect and be a part and do life together in a home group. It's going to take time every day to dig into God's Word as we all read together. It's going to take time. You're going to have to make some choices. As I said last week, every new thing you put in means you need to take something else out of your schedule. Clear some space for God to move. Second, take an inventory. Take a personal spiritual inventory of where you are with Jesus right now. You know, when businesses take an inventory, they do two things. They take an accurate accounting of what they have and also an accurate accounting of what they don't have but they need. So just do that. Spend some time this week. Get before the Lord in a posture of prayer and just say, God, show me what I have right now that is helping me grow closer to you. And make a list. What do you got? What are your strengths? What are the things that are in your inventory? And then say, God, what are the things that I need that I don't have. Just do an honest spiritual assessment. Just answer this question. Where am I really with Jesus right now? Am I as close as I want to be? Be honest. Have I drifted? It's easy to do. Take an inventory. And then number three, pray diligently. Pray diligently. Listen, this is critical. Prayer is oxygen 
to the fire of God moving in our lives and in our church. Let me tell you, for the past 26 plus years, every great move of God in and through Cedar Creek Church has started with and been built on a foundation of prayer. So here's what I'm saying. Set some time aside this week and just begin to pray and ask God to move. Move in your life. Move in this church. Move in our community. Beg God to move because when we cry out desperately to him, I'm telling you from my own experiences, then is when we see and sense. You say, what do I pray, Philip? Well, here's a great model prayer. The prayer of David from Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. Give me back the joy of your salvation. I'm asking you this week, multiple times, just to get alone before the Lord and pray with this kind of genuineness. This heart's desire for God to show you what's missing, show you what you need, and restore, reboot the joy of the life of following him. And as I close, I'm fast-forwarding 40 years from Mount Sinai. 40 years after they encountered God, They've made their long winding trip through the wilderness. They are literally at the border of the promised land, about to go in. And Moses is not gonna get to go with them. And so he speaks to them. And look at what he says, Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 10. He says, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And then check this out. He says, never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai. Do you see that? 40 years later, he's taking them back to this crossroad moment in their lives. And at the risk of sounding overly dramatic, Cedar Creek, I believe we are at a crossroad moment. Not just for our nation, I believe we are at a crossroad moment for our church and for our individual lives. The world around us is changing faster than we could ever have imagined. And in the midst of all of this chaos, I am as clear in my mind, as heart, as maybe I have ever been. I'm convinced God is calling us to a time of spiritual renewal, a reboot in our lives, a reboot in the mission and vision of Cedar Creek Church. And because I love you, I want you to be a part of the hope that God is bringing in our lives and to the hurting people around us. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I thank you for this unbelievably clear and relevant picture. I'm so thankful that we don't have to guess what it is you want to do in these times that we live because you've been faithful and consistent forever. And we can look back across the pages of history and see ourselves literally at the base of Mount Sinai, confused, 
at a crossroad moment, not knowing which way to go. And yet through your word, you show us so clearly how to get ready, how to get ready to encounter you in a new and fresh way like we've never done before. So Father, here we are, your people called by your name, humbling ourselves before you, seeking you to move among us in Jesus' name. Amen.